welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's good, webheads, along with A.J. Riley? Ryan Griffin, and eventually Paul Roshan. I'm Matt Basson. Welcome to Sports Carnage. Uh, got a deeper topic show for you. We got Last Dance we're going to get to. We got UFC stuff got to get to because we finally had a live sport happen in this age of coronavirus. Uh, we're going to talk some what-if scenarios and dual sport athlete scenarios. But let's dive right into the thing that's been captivating the sports world for the last four Sundays and going on the fifth and final Sunday coming up this week. The Last Dance, breaking down MJ's... Well, it's kind of NJ's career, really. It's supposed to be, you know, it's around the final season with the Bulls, but it goes into a heck of a lot more than that. If you haven't watched it, you've been missing out. But uh, the that big would be thing me. this week, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll catch you up, AJ. I'm trying. I'm trying to find on it. it uh, was that the whole situation after the third championship and the first repeat for the Bulls? Uh, MJ stepping away from the game of basketball after his father was brutally murdered. And uh, jumping into the diamond to play baseball, which was his first love, was what his father wanted him to be growing up in the first place. And uh, really shocking the sports world at the time by walking away as the greatest player at that time. Uh, And Ryan, your love for basketball is the only one out of this group that rivals my own. Uh, So I know you have been all over this. Yeah, I mean, super interesting. I didn't get to see Michael Jordan play. Um, except for when he was with the Wizards, but that's obviously not what this documentary is covering. And there are just certain stories that you hear about, you know, his time with the Bulls, and they covered some of them. And then there's just a ton of stuff that, like, you didn't know, or even some of the stuff you half knew about MJ gambling and just being, like, this ultra-super competitor. And it's only something that, if you didn't see it, you can just kind of imagine what that would look like through a guy, you know, like uh, like Kobe Bryant. Um, but then you'd like hear him talk in this documentary, and you're like, this man is just a psychopath. <laughs> is he re- does he really sound that psychotic? On yeah, yes, he's. I mean, it's basically all the stuff you, that you've heard from Kobe, and so it's it's funny that you say that, Ryan, as far as stuff that you didn't know because you are of the younger age, so you don't know this stuff. My one of my best friends, Nick, and I were talking about this, and Nick is the diehard biggest MJ stan you will ever meet kind of guy. Has always had the Jordans, you know, has multiple, multiple, multiple Jordans in his house, keeps them fresh and clean. All that he's just that guy, uh, and he's always been that guy with MJ. So he and I for years would just have fun getting into the MJ Kobe stuff. Uh, but basically, AJ, all the stuff you see with Kobe over the years, the competitor that he is, the stuff that he would say, MJ was saying that same shit. Right. I respect The difference it, is though. MJ is saying it 30 I, years later. Like, I know that that's crazy. Like, it sounds crazy, but, like, a lot of that kind of talk, like, when I hear Kobe Bryant talk, I don't think he's psycho, like, psychotic. Like, I'm like, that is legitimate, and I, like, I almost aspire to be, like, that driven. You know what I'm saying? Like, so maybe it's a different perspective for me, but like, because I, I, I saw both, right? I saw Jordan hit the shot over Russell in, was it game six? Um, and then obviously, like, when Kobe came on the scene, he was like my guy right out the gate when I was younger, too. Um, I just, like, loved watching him winning the slam dunk contest, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, so like maybe it's that kind of affinity that like I had for those two players that like when I hear that stuff, I'm like, you know, I always wanted to, I always emulated those guys in the backyard playing basketball anyway. So I hear that and it kind of like reiterates like my admiration for, you know, their desire to be the best. I mean, so I, I look at it from a different perspective, right? Like it sounds psycho, but I kind of look at it as like, you know, these are two guys that were at the pinnacle of their career and their occupation. Like, and if, mm-hmm. and you could apply a lot of what they say to everyday life in a lot of ways. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but there's a lot of like still psychopathy with Jordan. Like after yeah, his should... teammates would have bad games, Horace Grant in particular, he wouldn't let him eat. And okay. he would tell yeah. the like that's the team, okay. uh, the team caters, I don't know whoever they are, like he's not allowed to eat because he played <laughs> shitty last game. AJ, that's he crazy. Played against, let me say, he played let me, against this. But that, that that's crazy. Like, okay, yeah, you're right about that. I'm no, talking no, about like, maybe maybe Kobe was less crazy, and that's kind of no. where I'm drawing this perspective from. But <laughs> I mean, no, he he really wasn't though. He did a lot of the same things. I mean, look, MJ went up against this no name guy from the Washington Bullets, <laughs> but this guy had 37 points in the game, so he had a really good game for the Bullets, even though his team lost by this four. Is named Le- Le- and Bradford after the Smith. game, he went to MJ, put his arm around him, and said, "Good game, Mike." Now we don't know how he said "good game, Mike." He might have le- legitimately meant it. And was just saying, because he had a good game also, that he felt like he had the right to be able to go speak to MJ real quick. Because a lot of guys wouldn't have felt that brazen. But MJ took that as a slight. And murdered this guy. Because they played back-to-back that that day. Those two days. (laughs) So they played in Washington. It was the second day after playing in Chicago the first night. And in the the guy had 37 points in Chicago, but team lost. MJ takes life to him saying, good game, Mike, or nice game, Mike, whatever the hell he said to him, and put 36 on him in the first half. This is who Michael Jordan was. He would find anything to make it a slight against him. So he had a reason to go murder you. And Kobe was the exact same way. And my favorite, there's, I mean, Twitter is the place to be after the last oh. dance or even during the last dance. But someone threw it out there and it was, it was absolutely perfect. If MJ had a therapist back then, he would have averaged four points a game. Matt, <laughs> That's you're, how messed up he you're, was. Yeah. Matt, you missed the best part of that LeBradford Smith story. He never even fucking said nice game, Mike. Michael Jordan made it up. What? He made it up to to build this case against himself that this man man said something to him and it never, ever happened. And they asked him in the documentary. Or no, uh, I think Mike Wilbon was... Basically, Mike Wilbon recalled, like, hey, did did LeBron, did the guy say that to you? And Michael was like, no. That's, he made up this story about yeah, this dude making a, a small nuts. comment to him after a good game and then used it to end his career. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That is, this okay, that is psychopathic. Yeah, that's psychopathic. <laughs> but, but isn't that like the case with like all these people that are like considered to be the greats of everything? They, they have those like weird quirks that are not normal social behavior. Yeah, but yes. so at least in this documentary, it seems like Michael Jordan takes it to like the next level. <laughs> like Tom Brady is a weird dude. I'm like you trying don't hear to hear stories. I'm like about trying to this, find like, like a way Brady. to to like lessen the blow to the the social emotional character of Michael Jordan here, but it doesn't seem like I'm going to be able to. <laughs> and like it's crazy that he held on to it too, because one you see, it's a difference to tell the stories the way that they happen. 
but like the fact that he's still saying these things and that he still feels them all the way to like his Hall of Fame speech, where oh, it was yeah, just God. a giant the middle finger to everybody speech. who ever doubted him in his life. What? Like I, I somewhat remember that. Like he's just is it is it just one of those of things where like he's sport. just a like he's just a jerk. Like that's all there is to it. Like yeah, in the competitive <laughs> world, yes. But, you know, outside of that, in other ways and shape and form, as far as, you know, charitable stuff and all that, he's not. But in the competitive, in, in the, in his arena, in basketball, yeah, man's an asshole. So his only friends were the security guards. That's crazy. And didn't one of them beat him in dice rolling or something? <laughs> I saw no, they, were, they, were, they were throwing against, a quarter against the wall. Against oh, yeah. game Which I, I didn't still even don't know, know what this rule is. Like, what, I, what was the point of this game? Because MJ's quarter got closer. Like, yeah, that's maybe, all I saw. Maybe was you're supposed closer, to hit the wall. Lost. Like, well, what was the point of this? Like, did you have to make it bounce off the wall and keep it as close to the wall as possible? Because MJ's never hit the wall. So, like, like that was the only thing so I took from that is that so I think you had to make it touch the wall, but then how close could you keep it next to the wall after it hit the wall? That's crazy. Anything to win, right? Like, any to make anything oh, a yeah. competition. That's what it was. Or what? So the other stories were, like, they were playing cards, and they had, like, the, the big money games. Um which he would play with you know, Scottie Pippen, like whoever whoever else was making money on the team. And then he would go over to the small money games and like, he, he would play with games. them. Right. And he would, you know, like buy out the pot and they would ask him, like, why are you playing this? Like, he's way, way above you. And then his answer was, I just want to see your money go into my pocket. Yeah. Your one, two, three dollars <laughs> like, black can in my pocket. Yeah, I'm that, trying to buy a. Yeah, I'm trying to buy a bag of peanuts. That's crazy. It, it is. I mean, and what like, what does that do for team morale in a way? Like, he's obviously making the most money on the There's team. There's no team morale. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to to clean out the wallets of everybody else on the team. He's punching Steve Kerr in the face as your well, team morale. Well, though, but that, but you know what though? But that's the thing with that Steve Kerr thing, you know. And I love that that was brought up, you know, in the in the doc was. You know, for those that don't know, and I don't know how you don't know if you're a sports fan, but at some point in time when Steve Kerr was, you know, newer to the Bulls and got into it with MJ, MJ cracked him in the eye. And Steve Kerr says that was the best thing to happen to him and MJ as far as their relationship because it, A, gained MJ's respect because Steve Kerr didn't back down when they were getting into it in practice. And it made him trust Steve Kerr more and get closer to Steve Kerr. And had that not happened, maybe he doesn't have that confidence to hit Steve Kerr with the pass to to seal the championship during their second three beat. That's fair. You know, but and it's it's you know you say what it do for team morale. You know, you've got all kinds of guys. You know, now this was not a time where you know the athletes were pampered to like they are nowadays, and coaches still yelled at guys and all that stuff, and that was still seen. But, you know, you have the guys that respond to that, and you have the guys that don't. There were the guys that were going to see MJ and know that he's asking of them what he asks of himself, and they're going to try and rise to that occasion as much as possible. And you're going to have the guys that slink away. And you know what? We don't remember those guys' names because they got traded to other teams where they sat on the bench there instead of with the Bulls. Yeah. No, Horace, Horace Grant was good. Oh, yeah, he was. No, <laughs> and and he, did, he, didn't want to, <laughs> he didn't want the way Michael was treating him. No, it, absolutely. But he, but he, he also felt that he was – above that in some sense where you know Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen should have been treated on the same level as opposed to being treated to the you know to the same level as the guys that we don't know by names or even the John Paxons and the Bill Wennington's the centers and whatnot who are not that great but were still on the team but right. Horace Grant was you know a all-star level player playing on the Bulls yeah 
and proved it when he went to Orlando. All right, I gotta find this thing. I'm gonna try and get it like right now so I can start watching it. <laughs> it's it's so amazing. And then like the other thing, because uh, I got into his baseball career during these last two episodes, and to me, it's still a hell of impressive that you went to Double A and didn't swing a bat for a decade and a half, and you were still able to drive in 50 runs and, and bat 200. Because I'm sure there were guys on that level who weren't even doing that. Um, and then he talked about something inter- interesting, which is like getting his body back re-in-shape for basketball, because basketball in shape and baseball in shape, it's like different muscle uh, different muscle crews, basically, or you know, just like different things in your body that you have to work on. So him talking about restructuring his body for basketball was something that I'd never even like considered. You know, when you came back, I thought he just stayed the same. I, I liked how deep they went into the baseball side of you know his hiatus and what he did while playing for the Birmingham Barons. Uh, the fact that he started off his Double A career with a 13 game hit streak. Where they made, you know, they pointed it out. All the pitchers were saying, "All right, we're just going to throw fastballs," and fastballs didn't work. MJ was a good enough ball player in Double A to be hitting, you know, three something in those first thirteen games off of their fastballs. And they said, "Okay, well, you hit the fastball. How are you going to hit the breaking ball? How are you going to hit the curve?" And then all of a sudden, that thirteen game hitting streak went away, <laughs> said, I'm, I'm and that not. number dropped down pretty, pretty tremendously. But still, to hit two fifty, and like you said, Ryan, not have played baseball in fifteen years. I think he stole 30 bases, too. He got caught a bunch. I think he got caught 18 times in the 30 stolen bases. It's just, man. It's, it's, it's definitely impressive, and not every athlete can do that. Not even every great athlete can do that. You know, you, you can't say that just because, you know, someone else is great in their arena, they're going to obviously be good in another arena. And MJ was proven to be decent enough to, you know, warrant a spot on the double-A squad, and... AJ can tell you better than myself or Ryan can the thousands upon thousands of baseball players that would have wished to be on that spot in that double A squad. And you got a co-sign from Terry Francona. <laughs> Just, which is more, you know, more than I can say. Yeah, Who am I to say you can't play baseball if Terry Francona is like, you know what? <laughs> Give this dude 1,500 more at-bats. Yeah, but those 1,500 at-bats, that's a lot of at-bats. That's two and a half seasons. Well, so so that so I mean, how long I, do most I, guys stay in the minors? Well, yeah, but in the minors, like fifteen hundred at bats in the minors is a lot different than fifteen hundred at bats at the major league level. So, what Fran what Francona was saying was he's saying fifteen hundred major league at bats. Yeah, I think. Well, the quote he said was, if he had a thousand more at bats in his professional baseball career, he could have become a backup outfielder, maybe a starter. Okay, so he's talking his professional career, so that would also include minor league. It's a, a little bit, a little bit more fine tuning than the uh, the what the year he spent down there. Because yeah, he only played baseball for a year. Yeah, well, he yeah, because there was the because there was the strike in the second year. Oh yeah, in '94. So that oh. that killed his chances, and he was not going to cross and be a scab, yeah. and that kind of you know led to you know oh shit, he's got nothing to do now. You know, <laughs> maybe go back and play basketball. You were kind of good at it. Now, what what about the theory of him being told to retire? <laughs> I've been a proponent of this theory for as long as I can remember. I have always said that his, you know, I have no doubt that the guys who killed Michael Jordan's father knew who Michael Jordan's father was, was told to kill Michael Jordan's father because Michael Jordan got in bed with some of the wrong people 
and put money that he now owed to the wrong people and maybe didn't pay it as fast as they would have liked. Maybe so would have not like you he's weren't Michael Jordan. He's above all that and told them you'll get it when you get it. And they said, oh, really? And, you know, so this kind of, you know, this cannot come to light. There's no chance of this coming to light. You can't have David Stern sending away his best player without an explanation for a year and a half. And his father has passed away because of this. And this might be the best avenue. Now, I don't know how strongly I believe that, but I love the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you, you can't prove it either way. That's the thing. All you're going to take is hearsay. You know, Stern denies it. Michael denies it. Of course they would. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Naturally, they're going to deny it. You know, and you got the reporters that come out and just say, don't even ask me that because it's ridiculous. And they then they can say that. And people will always say that about conspiracy theorists. But some conspiracies have some merit to them. All conspiracy is, is based in some truth. Well, hold on. I mean, you have Alex Jones talking about gay frogs. Wait, what? There's a, a, some Alex Jones clip. I don't know what, like, what it is. Gay frogs came, like, are spying on us or something. It's from a couple years ago. If you okay. just YouTube Alex Jones and yes, gay frogs. Yes, but let's, let's not, like, okay, there are some legitimate conspiracy theorists. Right. It's true. There, not, there let, are let's some not legitimately talk, gay frogs, but like, well, no. Let's not give people who probably should be in a padded room like credibility. <laughs> you mean you Michael Jordan? Let's not give him six championships. Like, no. I'm saying no. I'm talking about Alex Jones. Like, let's not use him and his ridiculous padded room theories as reason to discredit that most, if not all, conspiracies reside in I, I, I think all famous ones but i think just the the grand majority of of conspiracy theories don't but i think all the famous ones that you hear are oh yeah because those are you know obviously more circulated and more there people keep picking apart little evidence by little evidence the just the farther that they go all right let's, let's get back on track real quick here. yeah sorry so, no <laughs> did you hear john f kennedy uh, I'm, 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 I'm glad we talked about the baseball aspect of it uh, because it is a very interesting part of the last dance. But I want to play a little what-if game with you guys of if that never happened, if his father wasn't killed, if he wasn't led down the path of going to play baseball, if Michael Jordan continued his career as every other professional basketball player has and is in the prime of his career, and comes back after winning the first three, and now wants to be the first team since the Bulls. Because MJ's thing, he says now, is he would have retired after the back-to-back to go try and play baseball. But Magic and Isaiah and Bird and them had never won three in a row. They'd won back-to-back. The Lakers were the first team to do it since the 60s Celtics to win, at least, to win two in a row. But they'd never been three-peat. And MJ wanted to be the first to do that. He says now. So why wouldn't he want to be the first to four-peat since those 60 Celtics? Why wouldn't he want to try and match those 60 Celtics with eight in a row? So if that had all come to fruition, you've got a pretty good Houston team waiting in the Western Conference. you got an up-and-coming, you know, Shaq and the Magic are working their way up. The Knicks are still there. The Pacers are there. But if MJ and the Bulls came back for trying for ring number four in a row, what would we have seen that year in the NBA? It's really hard to win a championship, man. 
I know that they're one of the greatest teams ever, but it is really hard to win a championship. So would have would things have been different? It's really, really hard to say in my opinion. I mean, do do they get four? Probably. Do they get eight? I'd I'd still say probably, but eight I don't think a it's row? a slam dunk. Well, I mean, yeah, because they won the three, and then he he left, and then they won the the three again. I think they probably definitely get the four, but once you start getting, you know, even like past four, I think you do probably have more guys that go along the way of you know like a Horace Grant where there's just more and more roster turnover because if you win six championships even if you're the deepest deepest bench rider and you know you're James Jones or something like you know riding all those uh all those LeBron teams um that ended up winning like eventually you're going to feel like you have some some part of that success and then you're always going to get disrespected by you know oh it's just Jordan and Pippen or it's just Jordan and even maybe at a point like if Pippen didn't have that uh that 94 year where he was you know the top dog for for that season they didn't win a title but he was still you know like the number one guy maybe there's even a point where Pippen's like hey get me out of here you know before uh you know before 98 which was um which was their last year uh, so I think that's a, a really just strong possibility. I, I, but, I think I mean, it's how, a like, how do you bet against Michael won. Jordan in the nineties? Yeah, but I don't know. Like, do they stay together the whole time? Like, like you said, I just man, that seems to say like well, eight. I mean, yeah, it's I mean eight's eight's, eight's really <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they did that after in losing in the playoffs and having having that time you know away without MJ and bringing in different players, you know, Steve Kerr and whatnot. Um, while having that feeling of not getting it done to renew that fire. You know, if, if you want to take a look at history, at least, the closest we can come is we got to go back to the Lakers. The Lakers three-peated from, you know, 99, you know, from 2000 to 2002. They were, they were champs three straight years. You look at that next year, and they're going for a four-peat. The Lakers were a five-seed in the Western Conference. It's a great Lakers team. This is Kobe and Shaq, both in their primes. You know, they got pieces around them that they're used to having and won championships together. And this team didn't even make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I don't know. Like I don't, I'm, I don't get the feeling that Jordan and Pippen liked each other very much. Like I think obviously they felt each other was necessary, but I don't know how much like they loved playing together. But I still think it was more than Shaq and Kobe like playing together. <laughs> Where eventually, but I mean, it, it is like you said. Um, and, you know, like I brought up is would that ego like for uh, Pippen had just have gotten too big or is like, no, nah, like forget all this. <laughs> like, you know, I've won four titles. I'm secure in whatever my legacy is going to be. Nobody can tell me anything because I'm a champion, whether it's three time, four time, whatever the case is. If Mike's just going to get all this credit, I'm, I'm just going to leave. And then if Jordan isn't without Pippen, because they probably trade Pippen, and it's not like it's not like you get rid of Pippen, and then there's just nobody there to take his place. You know what I mean? Like you get rid of Pippen, and you probably get another All Star player or All Star level player in return. So could Mike have done what he did with Pippen with another All Star during you know the back end of the '90s? Because I don't think it's as, as simple as just like oh you lose Pippen in free agency and then you don't you know get anything for him. I don't know who that player would have been, but. I think that's something where, you know, in your what if, if part of your what if is Pippen leaving, you have to obviously take into account who they would have gotten back for him. Okay, but let's just say for, you know, for argument's sake, they keep that same team in 94, and let's say they are the team that represent the East 
in 94 to defend their title. They're going up against a Houston Rockets squad who has given Michael Jordan teams more fits than any other squad around that time. Kim Olajuwon has a winning record against Michael Jordan. And the Bulls are not known for their centers. They never were. That's, you know, the argument that you'd have with, you know, the early Lakers with Shaq, you know, is who the hell is going to guard Shaq for the Bulls in those squads because their their centers were god-awful. They just weren't, they didn't care about them. They cared more about the wing players. They cared more about the three-point shooting small guys um, than they ever did about the down-low guys. And so now you got a headache and a half in one of the greatest centers of all time, Akeem Olajuwon, who is, you know, MVP-worthy player. And, you know, in this time when, when Jordan is away, does lead his team to back-to-back championships. Now, that 94 team, not a great team. I think the, the repeated team was a better team. Um, but that first championship team that did get it done, you know, went to seven games against the Knicks. Um, and this was in a, you know, a time when the Knicks finally broke through without MJ being there. Uh, but how does how does that Bulls team stack up against those first Rockets? You know, you got a young I'm, Robert Ory, you got a young Sam Cassell, um, you got a veteran Vernon Maxwell on that squad. Obviously, like I said, Kimo Lajuan. Uh, you know, they had you know, and one of the best. You know, they were kind of ahead of their time when it came to outside shooting. You know, they were you know volume wise and percentage wise the best team from from deep in the league. I mean, it probably stacks up pretty well. You just had this team that won three straight titles, and then there's this new up-and-coming team trying to take them down. And that usually doesn't go the way of the of the young upstarts. Can I just make a point that I finally got into ESPN Plus and cannot find <laughs> The Last Dance anywhere? <laughs> Shut up. They're hoarding it. Nope. That's what I get. You checked for- under ESPN 30 for 30s? I'm looking at the 30 for 30. Uh, and all the other ones are there, but not the last dance? I mean, there is nothing. They're all there, but, but not the last dance. <laughs> not the last dance. You must have to watch it live. Wow, that's, that's stupid. My guess is that once it airs, the final like episode you said is this week, right? Little, yeah, it's this Sunday. Yeah. Is the my guess then was, would be that it's live after that on here. So I guess I'll catch up late. All right, if not, AJ, like I said, I got them all recorded. AJ's going to watch all 10, 10 hours. We can, we can FaceTime. I'll just hang the phone right at the TV and hit play. <laughs> I, I don't care to see it that bad, but if I have access to it, I'll watch it. <laughs> just because I usually listen to stuff while I'm working, and so I'll just play it while it's in the back background. Okay. All right, well. Ryan, real question. How many of those songs that you've heard in this soundtrack are the first time you've heard those songs? Oh, like zero. There's a lot of older hip hop in that soundtrack. It's beautiful. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that was so hype. There's, there's a AJ. There's a lot of uh, '80s and '90s hip hop uh, throughout the uh, the episode. I'm like that uh, that Leo meme where <laughs> he just squinting his eyes and pointing like, "Hey." Mm-hmm. Or would they do a uh, Rosa Parks? I think two weeks ago. Uh, oh, yeah. No, hush that for us. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's fun to ponder what would have happened if he wouldn't have retired, but I just, man, to say that they would have again won another championship is such a difficult statement to make. I, mean, like the, I, can... the, I only say they would win eight. Is like I'm not going to bet against Michael Jordan in the 90s. Yeah, but I, under, work, I understand that. It didn't work out well for anybody else. I understand that, but then like you have like all the additions that took place when he came back for the second go-around. 
right? So, like, didn't Kerr come that second wave? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Kerr, right? yeah. So, like, Rodman. Rodman. So, like, do those guys come and uh, join? Robert Parrish was on the 98 team. Yeah, do they come and join him? You know what I'm saying? Like, if he's won six in a row, right? Five in a row. I mean, you still got to retool. And well, I mean, Rodman already had two by then. I don't think right. he was like. But I don't think then, he felt, you know, the way somebody would feel about somebody joining, you know, like the Warriors today, where it's like, oh, they're just ring hopping. Like right, Rodman but as they explained won. in that documentary, you know, the need for Rodman came from Horace Grant leaving. So does Horace Grant leave, or yes. does he stay? And, you know, <laughs> Horace, Horace, Horace Grant is. Well, if he's not able to eat he, he after a bad for game, I would assume he probably but, left. Yeah, so if like he, he, still he leaves, might have been there in '94, but he's he's definitely Audi Five Thousand. Yeah. So, you know, look, eight, it's so hard to say this team was going to continue to have that fire and that greatness around them to win eight in a row. But, you know, I think if there is one that they would lose, I think it's the 95 year. So I think they'd win four, lose 95, then win the next three, um, which is still still seven championships in 10 years. Yeah. That's crazy, though. Like, I mean, that you is, can't take away the three they did do just because of the fact that, no, no, no. you know, but, you, know, but you were, could, in a sense, like, if they went out and won four. Didn't win that year. Who's to say they don't kind of like tear it down a little bit, and then they don't win the next three? You know what I'm saying? Because you're gonna have guys that come up in free agency. Um, like when? How? When did they sign Scottie Pippen to be around for that second wave? Um, you know, does does Jordan become a free agent? Like, what was his contract situation? So, like, see, I don't think Jordan. I don't see Jordan leaving Phil Jackson. I'm that's not saying I'm not I'm not saying him there. leave, but I'm saying him demand more money, which then limits the amount of I mean, money you can spend on everybody more else. Money. They gave him like what thirty six before anybody was getting. I understand that, but 30. he also was going and playing in the small town, small time blackjack games to take dollars out of lesser paid players' well, that's, pockets. That's not so he didn't he's going he's to take every to advantage to put money in his pocket. So that's what I'm saying. There's like so many variables that go into it that like if he didn't retire and they they did win four or five in a row, there's no guarantee that that same team takes the floor in '96 '97. No, I mean that's very true. You know, there there are great points as far as you know. We have no idea what would happen for the team that we now know for the second three peat if MJ had stayed. You know, and what would happen with that team in general. You know, there there had been contentious this you know forever between the Jerry's you know, and Phil and the players. Um, and so that's going to play into it. You know, and the fact that MJ did get a break from it and go play baseball and get away from all that stuff that was, you know, he kind of was able to refuel that fire, you know, and enjoy playing a game again. Um, you know, and it's a, you know, his first love was baseball. And so he got to have that joy of playing the game that he loved. And, you know, sometimes that's all it takes to, you know, reignite the fire that's in him as a competitor to go back and be the best in basketball again. Um, and, you know, who's to say if that stays with all the headaches that were going on in that organization, you know, and without him getting that year and a half break from it to, you know, re, you know, re- rediscover, you know, his fire for basketball. Did you see Eric Snow on that Sonics bench? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. I still say that Sonics team, I'm, I'm telling you, MJ – and the Bulls let them win two games so that they could win that championship back in Chicago on Father's Day. 
because they dominated those Sonics in those first three games and obliterated them in game three, only to get blown out by 20 in game four and by 11 in game five. Good old Sean Kemp, man. (laughs) You know what's crazy? Like, you know, sometimes when a team has a bad game, especially if they're in, like, Miami or Houston or something, um, you can get you kind of always, like, hear, like, oh, they were just out way too late. I saw something earlier today um, about the the Pittsburgh Steelers team that beat the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Somebody came out, and it might have been Santonio Holmes or maybe somebody a, a little bit less important. But he's like, yeah, we were all up super late, like, playing cards. Like, bro, the night before the Super Bowl? That you didn't think you should get I mean, some rest? Because you know you ain't sleeping anyway, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's probably definitely like, an aspect that of that. that they, they didn't think they were going to be sleeping much anyway. I mean, they won, but they had to do a. They had to win on a <laughs> on an all time Super Bowl play. Yeah, but there's still that like. That was just wild to me. It's like, y'all it is it wild, way. but there's that that aspect of like you can't. You're so hyped up for the game, right? That regardless of how much sleep you got the night before, and I understand the mental faculties that go into it. Smoke some weed the night before. That that that, that adrenaline is gonna carry you through you're gonna crash afterwards but that adrenaline not if you win then you spend then you stay up that night partying yeah i mean yeah but you got to think these guys are also going right into the off season after that so they're sleeping for probably a week and a half anyway (laughs) like there's that that i i get the the whole like thought process behind it all but it it's i it it just makes sense that they were up that late like i get that Man, I don't go to sleep the night before I'm going to play golf with my friends. <laughs> like, and that ain't for shit. <laughs> I'm just going to have fun playing golf with my friends, but I want to whoop their ass, so I'm not sleeping the night before. There, there's a lot of that. Okay, the la- the loud mouth of man buns is here. And uh, oh, are we getting right into it? Okay, <laughs> we're getting we're getting right into it. Might as well. I don't even know what we're doing. Uh, Neither do we. We're just making it up as we go. That's so, good. I was promised games. We. Well, I, in the I summer. did promise. Yes, in the summer, you ass. Um, in the summer. I did say we were going to talk UFC, and now Paul is saying he doesn't want to because he's got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go drive to Buffalo. I didn't say I don't want to. I said graciously we can skip it because I know that deep down you guys don't want to. Well, no, but we should give Paul it some said just, fanfare. Paul said it was just end the, the cast right now. It was the first like nationwide live sport uh, in, you know, how many months now are we? Two months at least into Two. this? Yeah. Is it since March the, was it Nebraska Rutgers basketball game? March 13th, we shut down school in Michigan. Oh, so. was that actually yeah. the last sporting event? Because that's it's, incredible. It's pretty close. Yeah, there were some women's basketball. I think the, I think the last was a women's basketball Those game. Those ones actually. don't count. That doesn't count. No offense, you women. Dick. Of course well, they I count. mean, come on, man. If, if a tree It was college basketball, tur- you know, conference tournament time. When everything got shut down. And so those are the last games to be played. Or no, because um, Rutgers was supposed to play Michigan. It was Nebraska and somebody else. Nebraska, Indiana, maybe. Sorry. So <laughs> for two plus months now, we've been without any sports in the United States. Uh, yes, uh, Korea has, has started their, ba- their baseball season. And so if you are willing to stay up late and watch that, more power to you. You get to watch 1960s American baseball uh, played by Korean players, which is a heck of a lot of fun, by the way. But in the U.S., we haven't had any for a few months. And so UFC, who was supposed to have their UFC 249 in New York, 
was told by New York that can't happen. They were able to find a way to make it happen in Florida. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> Without a private island. Damn about anything. Uh, the championship bout was supposed to be with Khabib, Nurmagomedov, whatever. Uh, he went back to Russia and, and then had issues corona-related and could not leave Russia. So that wasn't happening. And so we got an impromptu interim championship bout uh, that went the way of the surprise contender uh, because the oh they just gave away that man's title who took yeah, that's that, what I'm wondering like yeah. how do they just have this what? impromptu championship on, on these on. two it is the interim title so this is how UFC works if a challenge if the champion cannot fight whether it's an injury layoff whether it's whatever they have an interim title bout. You are not the champion. You are the interim title you, until the champion you get a freaking belt, his though. crown. You do get a belt, which – and it makes sense. I mean if the if the champion cannot defend his belt, well, this weight class – What's the, the show point of being an interim on. champion? Until you fight again and lose. Well, so now <laughs> now Justin Gahey is going to fight Khabib to unify the titles, which – And is Khabib really is going to murder him. Um, so here's your consolation. So people Khabib. people also thought Tony Ferguson was going to murder him. Okay, I, unless I mean, unless unless he pulls a Matt Sarah and Khabib is GSP. And so here's the just thing: gets caught. So that is a possibility. And I I love this. This happened so much. I I I wasn't sure what to expect from this fight other than a lot of brawling. Um, Justin Gaethje is my favorite non Conor McGregor fighter. Um, and yes, I'm basic like that, and I love Conor McGregor because he just entertains the shit out of me. But Justin Gaethje, and everyone forgets this, was a collegiate championship wrestler. And the reason people forget I don't think they forget this, it. I think they just didn't know. No, no, no. Stop, stop. Why are you like this? Why are you like this? The reason people forget it is because he has done nothing but brawl in the UFC. And that's right. why I'm so – he is – an amazing striker. He showed against Tony Ferguson that he is capable of brilliant game plans and sticking to them and executing and playing playing smart and just pummeling opponents with precision. And yet, he still has mad elite wrestling skills under all of that striking ability. And that's why I'm so hyped for him to actually fight Khabib because that's Khabib's thing, right? Like he's an elite wrestler and he wants to control the fight right. on the ground. And... Justin Gaethje can do both. We haven't seen him wrestle a and, lot. And that may be. But he can't. But let's give a little fairness to Tony Ferguson, who had spent since November training to fight a pure grappler. Not a striker in any way, shape, or form. And all of a sudden, he's got to take on a guy who knows how to strike. And your game plan changes. And he didn't have nearly enough time to change his game plan for all the training he had done for months for a grappler to now fight a striker. You know, Gaethje did his part. Absolutely. So I, I don't want to undersell the change of preparation, but let's be real. Justin Gahey came in not preparing for a fight at all, any fight, out of shape, and he took the fight on three weeks' notice, got a little bit of a break, but really a break for both people as it got postponed another three weeks. So the fight had been announced for six weeks. There was six weeks. We're talking a month and a half that these guys had to prepare and train. Gahey had to not just train for an opponent, but train his body, get back into fight shape, cut all of the things that are necessary to fight in the UFC. Actually had to cut twice to do so because he had to cut for the original bout in three weeks and he had to do that lightning fast. And then he had to cut again since it got postponed three weeks. I'm going to be honest. 
you're training for a fight. I, I get the stylistic difference, but at the same time, you have now six weeks. Your body is right. You now have six weeks to watch a month and a half to watch film and train a little different. Uh, it, it's it's all you can't use that. I mean, you can't. You're the champion. You've won. I think it was 12 on, in a row. I think it tied the weight class record. I, I don't know. I'm spinning off the top of the dome real quick. But it, it's not it, – it can't be a crutch. You had a very long time to prepare, and I think his preparation was less difficult than Gay Hughes was. And okay. it was hype. So, and Paul, they gave you us watched this whole hype. card? What's up? Did you watch the whole card? No. So I was okay. I was in a cabin in the woods. I literally couldn't. And then when I got home, <laughs> I watched some of it. Um, so you didn't see the uh, Esparza Waterson match? No, I didn't. Because I want someone to explain to me how Esparza wins a split decision, and the cards are thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty seven, and twenty eight twenty nine. How? How are they two complete dominant cards and one close bout going the uh, opposite direction? Because judges are wild, and and that's I mean I mean that's that's wild. like that in every judge sport, and it's extremely frustrating. And I don't know why we can't drop the charades and use. I don't know, common sense, maybe a little bit of computer, maybe a little bit of damage. Like, I, I, I a, a trash can that here. Is, there. That they have their the damage life card. on the screen, like a video, uh, like a video game. It is okay, but out of, all, out of all the cards that went to decision, that is the only one that looks like that. Pettis, Cerrone, unanimous decision, all twenty nine, twenty eight. Hardy dominates in his win, thirty twenty seven, on all three cards, and Olenek and and Weirdum split decision, but they're all twenty nine and so 28. within I again. Note that I'm saying this without having watched that particular fight. So, but what happens generally is a myriad of things. Um, UFC does a better job of it than boxing with the judging, but they have their amount of absurd decisions as well. Uh, it's not like they're immune to it. And all judge sports have absolutely ludicrous decisions. But where this the biggest problem comes from usually is differences in what the judges are looking for. They're not great all grading based on the same criteria. Uh, significant strikes matter more to some judges. Visible damage matters more to some judges. Aggressiveness, whether effective or not, matters to some judges. Sometimes just the simple, you might, you might get lit up with three punches, but out jab your opponent for a round and one judge might favor the guy that broke the other guy's nose and one judge might favor the guy that outboxed him the rest of the round like it, there's a lot of differences and there's no set criteria standard for these judges and it's weird and it creates weird scorecards but without watching the fight i can't give you an exact answer but that's usually where it comes from is judges that are looking for very different things now 30 27 so this is a non title match so it's three rounds 30 yeah, 27 rounds. is you won all three rounds for right. one judge having two different people having won all three rounds that's not good i and you don't have to be an expert to understand <laughs> that that's not great bob so yeah i don't know right. it, I, I i haven't watched it so it's really hard and you can i mean I, I don't know man that's not great but at least two judges agreed on the outcome so that's something even yeah. if like barely. If, if it was unanimous decision and it was 30-27 and 29-28, yeah, that makes some sense. The one judge could think that the person won one of the rounds. It, but for two of them to be sweeps and you to be the dissenter so maybe, the, and make it a split may, maybe decision. Maybe the judge is older. Maybe the judge is losing it a little bit. Maybe mix up the names on the scorecard. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've seen so many just ups. Boxing is the worst. Like, 
And I've just seen so many things that have made me, like, just numb to judging, like, in these sports. It's so – it's sad. And I guess, I mean, that's why you knock your opponent out and leave no doubt or choke them out. But it, it really sucks that the preparation, the training, and then literally risking life and limb and giving your all in the ring – for it to come down to just old crackpots that may or may not need a new prescription and may be judging a completely different universe than what we're actually watching. Like, it sucks, and I don't have the answer, but there's definitely a better way to do this. All right, speaking of getting up off the mat, Donald Cowboy Cerrone did just that. The last time we saw him, he got obliterated, absolutely obliterated, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by Conor McGregor. Had a bout this weekend against Anthony Pettis, who's no scrub whatsoever. Damn good fighter in his own right. Lost the unanimous decision. All 29-28. Is this... Are we are we going to see Cowboy again? I'm, the man seems to never want to stop fighting. Dana might tell him to take a seat. But with his willingness to... And I, this has come up uh, many times before, but he's on a pretty big losing streak. I don't have it in front of me right now, but he's lost... I almost think he's lost more than he's won in his last six or so. Um, he's he's really fading out. And you look at a guy like him who's certainly not getting any younger. He's pretty old. I, I want to say he's like 34, um, which I guess in the fight game isn't ancient. But uh, He's 37. 37, Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah. When you fight like he does, it's a little different than if you fight like, I don't know, Mayweather does. I know different sports, but... He has taken punishment in all of his fights, pretty much, and dished out plenty. But his so his body, last win, he won in January, in May. He won in January and May of 2019. He built, he beat Ala Quinta and he beat Alexander Hernandez. I don't know where you're looking. Um, oh, oh, he he did beat. I, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. So he had won three in a row and four of five, and then he lost his last four. Now, to be fair, I, I do want to be fair to him. Those are Tony Ferguson, who is, I don't know, definitely top five pound for pound in the UFC. Justin Gahey, who just beat aforementioned Tony Ferguson. Then Conor McGregor, who we just talked about. So this this loss against Anthony Pettis is the only one that really is like, and, th- and that's only because, I mean, Anthony's a legend in his own right. Anthony's four years younger than him. Uh, he's not what he used to be, but... no. But he's still, I mean, you know, he, this is still a man with 23 coming, wins under his belt. 20, well, most of them. He's He's been a below 500 fighter for a while now. Um, but, and that's, I mean, this is two old dudes that gave us a nice brawl, right? So, you can't write him off, especially as a late flyer. But there is a, certainly there's going to be a talk. And Dana White is going to be like, look, how much more punishment do you want to take? How valuable to us and you is it for you to continue to take this punishment? This was a fight that he really needed to win. To say, you know what? Yeah, I just had three losses in a row to elite fighters, but I still got it in me. And he didn't. No, I mean, you know, gave it a good battle. You know, lost on lost on cards, 29-28 on all three cards. So, you know, you know it's a close fight at that point. And like we said, Anthony Pettis is not a scrub. The man's been around for a long time now. You know, has won some big fights in his own, his himself. But, I mean, you know, you got 52 fights under your belt as Donald Zerhone. It's insa- that's just I mean, the ones that's an counting. insane number. 36, <laughs> just the ones counting. He has 36 wins. 36 wins, man. I mean, that's 
wild. But he's taken a beating in a lot of those wins, and he took a beating in his seven losses. Or, I'm sorry, 15 Speaking losses. Speaking of beating, 15 losses. Jesus. former cowboy-turned-wife-beater Greg Hardy got a unanimous decision. Romping his way over Jorgen DeCastro, 30-27 so, on all three cards. Greg Hardy what? is... <laughs> People want to write him off so bad, but he has done nothing but impress me since coming to UFC. He is not polished. Like he is... Hold... <laughs> stop, stop. That's not what I said. You said what? He, he had practice uh, before going to UFC? I said he has <laughs> a impressed lot of it. me. A lot of it. He has impressed me. I didn't say that I am his number one fan. Okay, stop. That's basically what I heard, though. I said he has impressed me. You can be a dickhead and impress me. <laughs> Paul said I am, he has skills. I am not biased. He is the opposite <laughs> of polished. Man looks like he knows how to land a punch. Oh my god. You guys <laughs> He's been awful. in a fight before, I can tell. <laughs> Listen, he is he not, right he is not one, beating man. up women half his size right now. He is beating yeah, up grown ass men. Oh no, you gotta crawl before you walk, what, Paul. What's crazy about like uh, Greg Hardy and I heard Bill Simmons talk about this is because there are no fans, I guess during the fight, uh Greg Hardy could hear um Cormier like basically announcing what he should be doing differently during the fight and like oh he should be attacking him this way that way whatever and i guess hardy was like yeah so i heard um you know cormier talk about it and i just did that and then i won i gave him pre-fight advice and then switching out your strategy i mean what were his coaches i mean besides like i'm talking about the astros having little buzzers on their nipples so i the thing like so greg hardy hasn't beat anybody of big note but he has impressed the way he's come in so if you look at he came in and he beat up three nobodies right off the rip he gets brought into ufc so he wasn't in ufc he started his career not in ufc dana white brought him into the contender series he did he fought on fight night three and oh beating up a bunch of nobodies but it's still impressive these nobodies have still trained in MMA for a long time. These nobodies are still the same size as Greg Hardy and much more polished than he is, whether they're good or not. So he beats them he up. He did have the home field advantage, though. He, he comes in his first UFC fight, and he's fighting well, and he gets DQ'd with an illegal knee. And it happens. As you're, he's a young yeah, fighter. He, doesn't, he, he did he not did, know. No, he absolutely <laughs> didn't know. And he was going to win that fight. So there were no rules last time. He rips off. <laughs> Two, he rips off two more wins. He rips off two more wins. Then gets another DQ. Now, this one was changed to a no contest. And this is stupid because I I hate this. Like, I I don't know. It's just, it's nonsense to me. I mean, I'm glad they ended up ruling it a no contest. I guess they couldn't give him the win because rules are rules. But he was an inhaler between rounds. And I can see where it'd be problematic. He did not do it PDs. trying to cheat the system and get some... Uh, he wanted to breathe, man. So it, it was what it is. They, they rule it a no contest. It's fine. And then he, he goes to Mother Russia to fight on his opponent's home soil. And he puts up a good fight against a much more polished fighter. And he loses. Unanimous decision. But he comes back and wins again. And it's, he's done a lot of winning. He's won 
five of his six fights would have been... I mean, really, he should have one loss. Or five of his seven fights, sorry. He should really have one loss. It, the dude's been really solid. And if he... The, the problem for him is age. And the good thing is... MMA, UFC, you see a lot of fighters hit their prime in their young 30s. The problem is most of them have been fighting since they were like 5, 8. But there's also a lot of late bloomers in the sport. It's not like it's not like basketball where, you, where you've got to play since you're a little kid. If he gets the technique down, if he really takes to it and he becomes a polished fighter... He has an outside shot to one day work his way up to being a contender, and he has to start beating some real opponents, and he's going to start getting them soon. But you can't, no matter how much you hate the guy, you can't sit back and, and say what he has done isn't impressive. He came in with legitimately no experience, just a big, strong dude, and is knocking guys out that are the same size as him. I mean, look at his wins. TKO, TKO, KO, TKO, TKO. He's had one decision win. One. Well, yeah, he's not used to them going the distance. He's not. And the better his conditioning gets, I mean, I couldn't imagine him in a five-round championship match. I mean, he'd probably be knocked out pretty early, to be honest. Well, at this point, for sure. But he's so young in the sport, man. So young. And he jumped right into it. He didn't come up in local circuits. I mean, he jumped right into it from contender to UFC after three fights. I'm impressed. Still a piece of shit. <laughs> Speaking of another late bloomer that's also a piece of shit, this coronavirus takes its sweet time to rear its ugly head. And so now we are in the waiting game of about 10 days since this the, since this fight only happened a few days ago. We got about 10 days to find out if any of these fighters now will test positive for this virus after being in this close proximity with each other to find out if this UFC thing was actually a good idea or not. I know, Paul, you are dying to talk about this. I don't want didn't to one test positive there. It was before. Uh, one did. Yeah, there was one, yeah before, and so they had they they changed the card and they were able to test all these player uh, players, all these fighters and the crew. Everyone who was involved um, was tested. What was it? Two days before the event, and they actually got their results by the event. I think yes, that's what that's, it was. Oh, that's I, I, I just remember the the little ESPN phone notification. Hey, who and whoever. So and so tested positive. No, he did not. He didn't fight. They caught it. He didn't fight. So whatever. I mean, I don't really want to talk about. This I hope he didn't fight. You guys all know exactly how I feel about this, and it just doesn't do much good to. It just. It doesn't matter. I don't care if he had grown on fought. Like it. I don't care. <laughs> it makes no difference. Well, you didn't have to fight. I mean, kind of. <laughs> I'm not difference. sure his opponent would have cared. Yeah. Everybody cares about me. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Explain your reason. No, not for everybody not but you. There I, was yeah. a there was a lady I, on Twitter who said, I don't think it's a big deal. I think said, it's a uh, much what? ado about nothing. Call me a grandma killer is like how she started her tweet. I I think it's all <laughs> was the fuck much ado about, about nothing. I, I think if we're gonna shut down the world every time there's a sickness going around, it's the dumbest thing in the fucking world. I just I don't want to talk about it. I'm in the minority, and it is what it is. Like, so, in, inspired by what we witnessed this past weekend in the last dance with MJ being semi-successful uh, in his pursuit of a baseball career, and knowing that there are a few athletes out there, Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, chief among them, who have succeeded at playing multiple sports, 
we decided to go look forward to the athletes we see every day in their own arenas right now and which ones of them do we think could play in a different sport. The obvious one that always gets thrown out there is LeBron James playing football. Would it be a tight end? Most likely. Maybe a wide receiver. I think he's a little heavy for that. But that is the one that's obviously thrown out there a bunch. Chad Ochocinco said he wanted to play soccer forever. Kobe wanted to play soccer. We've seen it before with athletes. But if you could think of athletes in their arena, which ones do you think would be able to play at a, you know, a decently high level in a different arena? Well, I already got one for you. Mookie Betts. I mean, I, Mookie Betts playing what? Yeah, big Mook. Bowling. Bowl? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, is a, he is a 300 bowler, isn't he? He is a 300 bowler. He's actually a professional bowler. What? Like, in the offseason. Yeah, I said sports, though, AJ, not games. <laughs> what? <laughs> you didn't yeah, know that? Mookie Betts is a hell of a yeah, bowler. I, that's yeah, amazing. I, I kept mine to... Uh, he really is. I kept like, mine to more like that's Steph Curry in, in golf or something stupid like that. Like, things I already know they're good at. Right. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. Just... Stephen Golf. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. that's one of them up there. Uh, you know, Tony Romo was a good. Golf. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of pitchers in baseball are damn good golfers because yeah, the because the, they get the four position days hitters golf. are not allowed to play. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. it's a complete, completely different mentality for a golf swing and a baseball swing. Paul, but you pitchers, didn't know that about Mookie. That. I didn't. I I didn't know that. No, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah he, there, there's video. Like last offseason, he like he bowled a, like he's joined like the per- professional like circuit in the offseason. And he actually bowled a 300. It was like either last offseason or the offseason before. That's incredible, dude. Yeah. It's like the the most random thing, too. But hypothetically, I understand the practice is a hypothetical thing. I just had to throw that out there because I knew you guys would laugh and probably not know about it except for Matt. No, that's really so, good. So the first one that, that I honestly thought of, I thought of Rus- Russell Westbrook playing cornerback because he's fast as all hell. He's angry and aggressive, and I think he would be a great cover for you know on wide receiver. How many holding penalties he would commit? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's also what six three? Are we are we doing modern athletes? Yeah. He is big. Yeah, yeah modern like, athletes. But I just like I see athletes, I see Westbrook either, like either like playing like just corner or being able to play the wide receiver corners. You know, both going two way player. Westbrook like a little honey badger. Pretty much. In a way, yeah. Probably he can probably lay lay the lay the lumber too. Oh, seems as a like a, speed, like a speeding bullet a, at you. A free safety type who just hits guys. Like hell no, you ain't catching that. You see him on like the was, Raiders from the seventies. So if Miles Killebrew can play in the NFL, AJ, stop, man, stop. AJ probably knows this. He might. I think he knows it. Jeff Samarja. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, a wide receiver at Notre Dame. He was yeah. an all-American wide receiver. Yeah, all-American wide. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, Had he, he stuck he with the sport, people. he would have been drafted high. He literally was beat out. He finished second to Calvin Johnson for the Fred Blitnikoff Award for top receiver in football. I mean, that's yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's right. That's but after wild that impressive. rookie contract, do you think he's getting a good NFL contract after that? Well, I don't know. Well, I, I think he chose it. the right sport. Oh, so if you're so here's the thing if you're good enough and you do make it at baseball baseball is way better because it's easier on your body you can play it for longer and you actually make more money but mm-hmm. if you have a pretty I would honestly take the rookie contract in football because it is much more sure money making it into the bigs is so unbelievably hard no matter how good you are 
I mean, no matter mm-hmm. how good you are, dude, baseball is the hardest sport to crack into. And even if you do end up cracking into it and are good for more than a flash in the pan, it takes you a while to make real money. I mean, baseball mm-hmm. is kind of broken in that regard. We've talked about it before. like, And yeah. that's why I think Kyler Murray, whether he was better at baseball or football, it didn't matter, made a much better decision going pro in football because even if he bombed out, you're 20 some million guaranteed, and then you can go back and try baseball. It's not a big deal. Right. Like, so I, I don't. I, I would generally lean towards if it's anywhere like in the realm of close, like if you have a football future, I would do football unless you're just – unless you're like Bryce Harper, dude. Like I, I mean there's – it's so hard, man. I mean baseball is so stupid hard. AJ, what do you think about this? Patrick Mahomes, whose father, Pat Mahomes, had a 10-year span in the major leagues, mm-hmm. dominates the NFL for 10 years – and then says, I'm going to go play baseball. Well, you know he was drafted by the Tigers. Yeah. Oh, I so, know. He, the kid knows how to play ball. Yeah. I, I, my, my kind of baseball to football comparison, I think it's easier, and I'm going to make this as a blanket statement, I think that it's probably easier to transition from, like, uh, from baseball to another sport as opposed to from another sport to baseball. Um. So I'm not talking like football to basketball. Like I, I think that could be a very equal comparison, um, but I think anybody going. I don't think anybody could come into baseball and compete. Um, so my kind of example is somebody from baseball going to football, um, and I would say like even better than Mahomes and bringing him up, like Mike Trout playing strong safety or free safety. Like I think that him being in one of those positions probably more free safety given his center field background is probably a a scary proposal all the skills needed i just think that's such a hard projection like skills that you just have we just don't have any idea if he has you know what i mean like yeah i mean if you look at the way that he's built right we don't know like his measurables right but we know that we don't know if he can track a ball Uh, I, I would argue that point. <laughs> I would argue he can. <laughs> I mean, given the gold gloves, yeah, I would argue that point. But, um, like, I, I mean, we know he has the speed. We know he has the build. I mean, if you look at the guy, you would assume he's put together pretty well, so he's probably got some amount of power. Um, but he actually was, like, a pretty stud basketball player, too, um, from everything I've heard. So... Just throwing out his name. So I mean, I think one of the one of the easiest comparisons that people always make is like basketball player to tight end, and usually it's LeBron. I think Dwight Howard would have made a fantastic tight end. He's so big. Like even if you just put him in the red zone, like like you can't jump with him. Well, wasn't that he's the Antonio Gates? So I don't like, know how isn't fast. Isn't that what Antonio Gates did? Yeah, well, he's, that's he made that who, That's what a lot of tight ends. So it's easy because it it's proven. Like it works, and at a high level. I mean, you have. You literally have players that hardly played football before the NFL and were good NFL tight ends. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. But, like, you know, Dwight Howard is a good one. I mean, LeBron is the one that people always talk about. And it's there. Like, LeBron – could LeBron have been Gronk? I mean, you're talking about two dudes that could have been similar size. LeBron has absolutely elite athleticism. He's strong enough to block. And, I, I mean, you know how his hands are. And, I mean – God dang, the way I've seen him quarterback a basketball, I, I'm i sure you could drop some sweet sick plays with him dropping a dime down the field. Like, 
that's the obvious one just because yeah but flopping's di- more difficult than football i would i would i don't know if i would really necessarily compare him to gronk well, other than so the, the receiving aspect of so it hold on. i think so the a reason better comp I, would the be reason like, i compare them is because of size athleticism combo like at that position like what about jimmy graham Dwight would have been better than both. Jimmy Graham is He's been the all time touchdowns leader. Jimmy Graham is a skinnier dude. He's more of a receiver than a blocker. I mean, maybe. Yeah, but don't you think that LeBron would have been more of a receiver than a blocker? I honestly think that LeBron could probably hang at a wide receiver position. I mean LeBron could play at two sixty. Easy. Right. That that's why I like Gates for the comparison, because Gates was a little thicker than Gronk. You know, had that Gronk more is girth. Big. Gronk's he's not that big. When you look at Gronk without his stuff on, he's not that big. He he's is so, big. You know good, like, good thing you don't got to play football without pants. A Gronk, lot of that. A lot of that big is all of the extra shit he wears. Two hundred and sixty-five <laughs> pounds. Body. That's huge. Yeah, that's pretty big. Is Gronk two sixty-five. I just looked it up because I thought he was like two sixty. I two sixty-five according to Google, which I, I mean, so he's in the neighborhood, like, and six six and runs a four six. Like it's stupid. Like Gronk is retarded. Stupidest thing ever in the world. Yeah, like, that's that's pretty dumb. It's no, it's he's. Legitimately, like, had he played 15 years and been healthy all 15 years, he'd be in the argument for best football player ever, not best tight end ever. Like, he's just stupid. But we talked about him last week. I think it was last week. Was it last week? Yeah, it was last week. I mean, just I do think uh, I do think LeBron would make a like a great center fielder though. I, I don't know how he can hit, but you think his hand-eye pretty hand coordination is pretty good. But yeah, he's but, gonna be able to cover so much. Like, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen the videos of like Calvin Johnson going and taking batting practice? Like his, and I know Calvin's a big dude, but like he he has an awful baseball swing. <laughs> like, but you gotta work on it. But yeah, but it's. I just think the transition from baseball is a lot easier than the transition to baseball, in my opinion. I think. Oh, you got some MLB players that can't hit. Yeah. <laughs> Throw them on the Tigers if they're right. I, in. Baseball's insane. Like I, people don't realize how hard baseball. Is. It's like point zero one five seconds to react or something. Point one five seconds. Yeah, it's some crazy number to react to a fastball. You are to making major an level. educated oh, guess. Harder to block equal You're making an Tiger educated guess in, well, in trying to games. have just perfect. It's it's yeah. nuts, dude. It's you, you seen the video of Tiger Woods hitting with the Mariners? No. There, BP. The reason I yeah, but BP is not the, not the same. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> the reason I discount a guy like oh. Dwight Howard is how many seven footers do you see in the NFL? Like it just it doesn't. Nope. It, you're too big. You're too tall. Nope. Not for receiver, baby, or not for tight end. For anywhere. You have no. Yeah, you put him in the red zone. Where have you, you seen them? Got a block. Where have you seen them? In you the have them in there for hail marys, and that's it. Like they <laughs> yeah. literally they don't work for uh, countless reasons. As it, well, that's because they all And he's not that fast. Dwight is not that fast. Nah, he, he can run the floor He's pretty seven well. feet he's tall. He's seven feet tall. I know, that's what he's, I'm saying. It's not his You're fault. not that fast at seven feet tall. I mean, honestly, yeah, I would, yeah, put, him, I would put him at defensive he end. Was in his prime. I'm talking about prime, Dwight. I, I'm not talking about... I would put him at defensive end, and if you don't get to the passer, block the goddamn ball. Yeah. Like, or catch yeah. the ball. Like, I don't... Like, and I don't know if they make helmets for a head that small. All right, that's you, know, nice. you know it's trash, and Dwight would be perfect at it, but the NFL is cowards, is when you kick a field goal, you can't block it right at the goalpost. Oh, my like God. If that was a rule, <laughs> you could have Dwight Howard just stand there. Uh, so on, like, really long field goals where it barely goes over the crossbar, I would say long he field could just goals, slot him down. Extra points, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I've always wanted it for whatever reason. I've always thought this would be great. If there was a pitcher 
that was also a kicker. Because they throw their leg up so damn high when they pitch anyway. You know they got that They got that the flexibility. Ability. They got the flexibility, got the flexibility to get it there. I like it. I like now, the thought. Now, I don't think you'd ever get it with a with an ace pitcher because the, the team would be terrified of him hurting himself and not being able to pitch the season. But maybe a bullpen guy that could also come out and kick 50 yarders. <laughs> I, I like the thought <laughs> for sure. Joel <laughs> kicking for the Lions. No, I, I, JV kicking for the Lions while pitching for the Tigers. <laughs> it's interesting that's good. on blocking the field goals. I think it is would be way more like impossibly hard than than you think. So first of all, even on long field goals, if you're not completely missing, it's probably going too high to block. If it is going nah. low enough to be in the realm of I can jump up and swat this bitch. Um, a, you have to track it, and it doesn't take that long for the ball to get there. So you have to track it very quick, time your jump perfect, and hit it literally straight away from the goalpost. Well, well that's the challenge. So that you just don't, so easy, that you just don't we'll punch do it. it up and in. So like you look at soccer all the time, right? And a goalie goes up and punches the ball out. It just continues to go up and backwards. You can't do that with a field goal because it's still going through the uprights. Like it would be, it, it well, just you can hit it, you can hit the crossbar, uh, and then. Uh, it's it's very unlikely. It's very out. random, and there's already so too let much. Them do it. Don't already too much random in sports, and it becomes an injury nope, issue. Be like, you're you're stretching the limits of what you should be doing for minimal. Kick game. it farther. It's I don't know. Kick don't, it higher. I don't know. Specialty. You get a roster spot just for blocking field goals. The one that you can block a year. Well, yeah, I mean, you got 53 men on a roster. You can spare. 49 on game day, and no so? injuries. It sucks. So what? Send him down to the practice squad. <laughs> Move him down to the practice squad and then call him up every time. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Instead uh, of all those so uh, I got, Zach Zenner I got a, carries, you could add Dwight Howard. I got another baseball. Uh, I, I can't believe he didn't say Kyler Murray, by the way. No, I got another baseball one. Billy well, no, Hamilton. I didn't, I didn't want to do guys that were obvious. Billy like, Hamilton. I know Kyler Murray played baseball. Like To me, that's a stupid AJ, answer. AJ, you broke up. What would you say? Billy Hamilton as a kicker turner. So, I don't know who that is. You could say that Billy about Hamilton a lot was of on the Royals, a lot for of a fast while. people, the Reds for a while. He's like baseball. the fastest, like about uh, about Ricky Henderson for a kicker turner. We're talking modern athletes, so we said Ricky Henderson would be ideal because he's like built too. But well, Kyler Murray is a kicker turner. Same sport, different position. Oh my gosh! Stop. Him and Lamar. I honestly think – so it would be interesting. I have no idea how good he would have been. But Stafford is a is a legitimate pitcher. So everyone knows Stafford has elite arm strength, and he played baseball. It was probably largely tongue-in-cheek. But Clayton Kershaw is on the record saying that Stafford has a better arm than him. Stafford has also shown a distinct ability not just for being smart and being able to play a mental game – but pinpoint precision. And I think a lot of what he does would translate very well to baseball. Now, again, baseball, very hard sport. But the hardest part of baseball, hitting a baseball, Stafford wouldn't have to worry about. We know if he has, in the American well, League. We know he has the arm talent. Well, even in the even NL. In the no. NL well, no, even in the NL, it doesn't matter because you can hit zero it's as not a official, pitcher. Though. You could hit zero as a pitcher, yeah, and it, it doesn't matter. Your team doesn't really care. Like, it's annoying, but like it's not a big deal. Like you're not expected to hit even in the NL. You're just there. No, you just it's know whatever. how to bunt and you're good. Know how to bunt and break your fingers for no fucking reason so that you can't pitch yeah. anymore. 
<laughs> I, I hate, listen, I hate the DL rule. Like, get rid of pitchers hitting. This is Major League Baseball. Get out. Stop. I, the, the longer that, like, I watch the game. I'm actually the opposite. I'd love for a pitcher to hit. Like, you're on the team. Same. <laughs> Play I a position. Them. I love watching the pitchers it hit. It is literally degrading to the sport except the one out of 20 times the pitcher does something. Why? You did it throughout high school and college. It's a different yeah, sport in high school and college. Step your game up. Yeah, it's not the same. There are college. Wasn't Mark McGuire a pitcher in there high school? Are, there are football athletes that play every snap in high school and almost college. Babe Ruth was a pitcher. There's a reason that that doesn't happen in the NFL. Why? And, and what do you tell them when they ride? Why? The why why do football players only play one side of the ball when they get to the NFL? Because they're pussies. Hmm. <laughs> Absurd. Uh, no, mm-hmm. I, I, it would have been interesting just to throw a local one in there. I think, I think Stafford going that route would have been interesting. I don't know if he could have done it. I, people always say Kaepernick too. Kaepernick did have like a high eighties, low nineties fastball, but I mean, there's a, he had a baseball. I thought he got drafted. Well, getting drafted in baseball is kind of like winning $3 on a lottery ticket. That's true. Wow. We don't understand like, how hard baseball is. That was the most overstated No, you don't thing understand ever... how hard it is to break into the majors. That is incredibly different than getting drafted. Uh... This NFL, or not NFL, MLB teams, I mean, there's like 600 rounds in baseball. And teams Boy. literally draft players that they know there is no chance in any universe that they are going to sign them. They just draft them. Like, it's... Yeah, they... I think they draft them and then, but that happens more at the back end of the rounds when you get into those forty rounds. And I, I don't know where they... Kaepernick went. And Kaepernick would have been a legitimate baseball prospect. He had a a he had enough arm talent that he would have been prospect status. But yeah, you don't need he, touch in baseball. He, he had an arm. Well, that's you need <laughs> you need control, which is he he had control. He knew where he, he threw it to the right spot every time. It was just too damn fast for the guys to catch it. Or to the other yeah. team. Part of it. Um, no, I mean, he would have been a prospect. I, I don't know what he would have actually done. I don't I don't think the protests would have went as well in baseball. No, we yeah, got one guy tried. I, I, I don't think it went well at all in football, so I don't see how it could have been much worse. There, so there the are man, people that least... The man made multiple NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. No, he, he said the you, protest. Oh, his career, his career wouldn't have been as good. He said, "I don't think the protests would have went. Oh, would yeah. have went as well in." No, baseball. I mean his career. I don't, I don't think his career well was that. likely better in football. I mean, it's it's just hard to make it to the bigs. It's really hard unless you're AJ. Golden gloves on tap. You idiot! <laughs> All right, and in the NFL, we got a gang of guys at six foot five and above: DeAndre Hopkins, wide receivers like that. Any of them making a run at a at a shooting guard position in basketball? Nah. No. Not unless I saw you play like T.O. Like if T.O. had come up as like a, a only basketball player, then maybe. But I haven't seen any of these other guys really hoop like that. I mean, so there's plenty of NFL guys that have the athleticism, but you get into – so like your really tall NFL guy is an average to possibly short NBA player. Yeah. They So at that point, they have to be able to shoot. And if they could yes. shoot – they probably would have been playing basketball. I mean, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Or they can play defense. Like it's uh, you are coveted if you're a defensive back at six foot plus. In in the NBA, you're a midget. I mean, it's 
It's just yeah. it's a very different sport. I think definitely think it works better going the other way. Although, um, what's his name? Um, uh, who's the kid? The corner that the Packers drafted a couple years ago that played at Miami. I'm pretty sure he played basketball in college. Point guard. No idea. No yep. idea. No idea. I'm gonna have to. I gotta look it up now. I gotta. I gotta look at the goddamn Packers drafts. Um, maybe 2007. Speaking of, I see this uh, this old Tigers clip. Dimitri Young, offensive lineman. <laughs> Prince Fielder, offensive lineman. Let's do an all-time Tigers offensive lineman. Would they be better than the current Lions offensive lineman? Probably yes. <laughs> Let's see. Probably I don't think many basketball yeah. guys make yeah, that well, jump. You could to have baseball. Prince, and, Prince, and Cecil. Yeah, I'm telling you, basketball guys jumping to baseball doesn't really make sense. No, in I don't. A lot of ways. No, I'm. Th- I'm honestly thinking of like some like the shorter point guards, more than anything else. <laughs> like a little shortstop. Yeah, being the you know. The, like, like, like Dame Lillard at second base? Yeah, the Altuve types. Then Iverson said he played quarterback, right? Oh, Quentin Rollins. Iverson was a great quarterback. In Quentin Rollins. Quentin Rollins, cornerback, second round. Who? Quentin Rollins. <laughs> you can keep saying his name. I don't know who oh, he is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is, is he still on the team or they cut him? They I teased Deborah out of I, out of the universe. I think he actually is still on the team, but I'm not a hundo. But I mean, he hasn't gotten real anything. Um, Quentin Rollins plays corner for he's played in 33 games, three picks. He even has a pick six. Um, hey, there you go. Was it against so us? So he he actually <laughs> so he's was it was it off Jeff Driscoll? He started four games his rookie year and played in 14. Had two picks, including a pick six. Six pass breakups. There you go, Quinn. Quinn Rollins, yeah. He started. Make a name for yourself. He started 10 games in 2016. What happened, man? This is Okay, this is crazy, actually. He started 10 games in 2016 out of 13 games, had a pick, eight pass breakups. Played six games, only started one the following year. I Looks like he got hurt. And then does not exist after 2017. Yeah, maybe they cut him. So he just didn't get picked up after he that. Didn't, like, didn't land anywhere else. How do you how do you go I mean, from? I mean, maybe the injury was bad, right? You said his last year it looks like he was injured. Yes. So AJ like on this injury, topic, he's like, yeah. Can you can you so break sad. down a little bit how impressive it is that Dion was was actually able to. Not only play, but actually have a semi-lengthy career in baseball while having a Hall of Fame career in football. Yeah, I mean, what more is there to say about Deion Sanders that he was just a special athlete? I mean, it, he was impactful. I I can't remember. Was he part of the Braves team that won the World Series? I I don't think so. I think he was onto a different team in '95, but I have to. Was he affected by the strike? It, no, he he wasn't, I don't believe. But at one point, I know he was playing for the Braves and the Falcons in the same city. And then, Man had a 5.5 war. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not spectacular, but considering I, the fact no, that No, that's kind of spectacular given the circumstances. 
if you would have let me finish my thought before interrupting me, that's exactly what I was going to say. So thank you for making my point for me. Given the fact that he was playing two sports, the ability that he had the impact to add any type of wins above a replacement player is, I think, extremely Man. impressive. That sucks. Dion was traded from the Braves to the Reds in 94. And in 95, he was on the Reds, and then he was on the Giants. Oh, no. So he, he went to some World Series. But didn't win one. He went to he went to the 91 World Series for the Braves. Okay. I, I knew he played in the World Series. And didn't the Braves lose to the... No. Twins. I, yeah. No, in 91. But they also lost in 93 to the Jays, right? Uh, No, Phillies lost to the Jays in 93. Who lost to the Jays in 92? I don't know. I was dead. I, I you weren't was dead. Like, you weren't alive yet. There's a difference. <laughs> I was five years old, but uh, I know one of the years, 92, Blue Jays over Atlanta Braves was 92. So he went to back-to-back World Series? So he went to back-to-back World Series. Yeah, but just couldn't get it done. That sucks. And he's got so he's got two National League championship rings. Yeah, he's got three Super Bowl championships. That's what I'm saying. Like it, just the fact that he was able to do what he did at the level he was able to do it in two professional sports is just ridiculous. Just completely ridiculous. Bo Jackson, baby. And it might be I mean, one of, like, the greater, like, athletic feats. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. and, just the fact, like, it wasn't, and it wasn't even that, like, he was a role player that came in to steal bases as, like, this, like, niche, like, base runner, base stealer. Like, he legitimately played center field for the Atlanta Braves yeah. <laughs> in two World Series. Like, and he, Yeah, and in their second World Series, the man hit 304 that year. Yeah. Like, in 97 games. With fourteen triples, that's just that's just crazy. There that's are just some, speed right there. There's just insane people. It, it there are. That's that's what it boils down to. I mean, Paul, Bo they're, Jackson, Deion Sanders, like they're not human. No, they're not. You know, you know, it's it's crazy. Just I can't even fathom it. Right. And, and imagine if he focused on that sport full time, like right. Right. It's like how or, do you, you you are making it uh, imagine imagine being a baseball player playing with Dion. How hard the game is for you. How hard mm-hmm. you work in watching him come in and do what he does. That would piss me off maybe. Like <laughs> I mean it's not like he wasn't working hard. I understand what you're saying. No, he yeah, no. I mean He can't possibly he, work the same. Not at that sport. There's no, not enough right. time at in that, the day. No, at that given craft. Yeah, you're right about that. Like it's but... it's just it's it's not fair. That's what it is. Not fair. It's not fair. So so Quentin Rollins, I by the way, I throw it back real quick. Quentin Rollins, I have established, was an elite athlete who just couldn't find his fit in a sport. So he managed to start almost every game of his four year college career in basketball. Like, he started almost every game of his four-year career. So, from freshman to senior year, yet only averaged six points a game. Not that good at basketball, but good enough. (laughs) 
he suffered an Achilles injury and then a hamstring injury once he had almost broken out in the NFL. And that looks like that was the devastator. He signed with a couple teams in camps and never made it out after those injuries. And when you are a cornerback and explosive movement and change of direction is important to what you do and you have injuries like that, it's not good. No. It's very, very not good. No. How did Drew Henson do in baseball? He, he was never, with the Yankees. He was with the Yankees for a while, but I don't think he ever broke through. I mean, he's like he's like another guy that was an elite athlete, but wasn't good enough in either sport to really make it. But see, it. I always I always felt like because of Drew Henson and like the fact that he was a Yankee while he was at Michigan, like I feel like that kind of propelled him into that starting job over Brady a lot of times. Because didn't him and Brady, like, split a lot of that time together? Yeah. Oh, no, they did. That wasn't what it was, though. And, no, what it was was Drew Henson was one of the highest-rated recruits we ever had. He was a five-star, can't-miss prospect at quarterback who just wasn't as good as Tom Brady, but Tom Brady was a nobody at the time. Tom, like, Brady, it's just, it's, Tom Brady wasn't a Yankee. He like, was, there's he a was lot the to hot, that, Like, there's just so much, like, <laughs> it's... It's something, but it, I mean, it, it 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 always seemed to me like watching those games and like at that time, like what year was it? what year would that have been? I mean, ninety six. No, 90, okay, so so nine, at that time, 95? like ninety. When was the Orange would, Bowl against Alabama? Maybe it was ninety four. Oh my god, I don't even remember. Because like at that time in my life, I was still very much following Ohio State closely because I grew up. Don't ever say those words again. Oh, no, it's 2,000. I'm sorry, 2,000 Orange Bowls. Jesus, later than I thought. So, at that time, like, but I just remember watching. Oh, Doug, because it was after the title. Uh, Watching and, and, like, paying attention to Michigan, realizing it seems like Drew Henson keeps on getting, like, all these opportunities when they might be better off going just with Tom Brady. Was kind of the way I always felt well, about Drew. And he Henson. was so. That's the way I remembered it. Drew Henson was given every chance to win the job and run with it because he was thought at the time to be the better talent and have the much higher ceiling. Which, to be fair, based on how football players are evaluated, they would be no different today. And it's the same reason that Tom Brady, despite all the success that he did have, barely got drafted and was an afterthought until uh, what's his name went down. Like. What's his name? Drew Bledsoe, you dick. Yeah, whatever. I mean, he's garbage can. He didn't do a break. He's not. <laughs> no, Drew. Didn't One he of get the best quarterbacks of the night? Didn't 90s. he get? Didn't the same thing happen to him twice? Uh, didn't he get yeah. hurt twice and lose his starting job in the NFL? I, I think. Uh, is it Romo? Was it Romo? It might have been Romo. Oh, God. Another, it, like... another unheralded. I mean, Romo came from FCS, didn't he? Undrafted yeah, from wasn't FCS, it Southern if I Illinois recall. or something like that. Undrafted, literally undrafted. I don't know. I, Romo was always a stat pattern to me. I never was impressed with him either. But that's just me. Yeah, Drew Drew Bledsoe. His last two years were 05 and 06 in Dallas. Tony Romo is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Games. What is wrong with you? Because of his padded stats, man. He, like, what did he ever do? He was elite at the quarterback position. He was fantastic. 
based on the people that surrounded him. No, he, him he never had team. that. He beat the Lions in the playoffs. But he hang on. He, he, into he made Miles Austin a star in the NFL for about a year and a if half. If he didn't get hurt, he would have won a Super Bowl. <laughs> if his pile of if he didn't have a that. pile of shit coach, he would have won a Super Bowl. And if they had the balls to play that him, that coach didn't. If that coach they didn't had have the him balls the to play him, if they had the balls to play him <laughs> when he got back after Dak played Talk most about of guys the season, who be a tight end. they would have won the Super Bowl. No. I'm not going that so. far. I don't think those Cowboys teams were ever that good. And that's no. one of the things I don't, I don't put on Romo. I don't the think only he time had they were good was when he was hurt. To, I mean, AJ, aside from T.O. for a couple that, of years, who did he really have? His, his, that, uh, his, career, his career is literally just like Stafford's, except he played for a better franchise. That's it. He played for a better franchise. Like, it's the yeah, same I, shit, man. I don't buy it. I I just I've never been impressed with him. He is really good, man. So good. Disrespect. I like him. I like him as a commentator. I think he's a much better commentator than he ever was a quarterback. That's not true. But... That's so false, dude. Why are you like this? <laughs> he's allowed to have that opinion. <laughs> I did say I mean, he's not allowed to. It just hurts me. Well, it's just it's it's like I I think Matthew Stafford gets We're a lot not of talking crap about because can, can I understand that? But so I can I'm just make gonna get comparison. mad. So no, I I'm saying Matthew Stafford gets a lot of flack for not having produced anything, but we legitimately know that he has not had anything around him save for Calvin Johnson. Tony Romo was in a different situation and was a lesser quarterback, but yet gets heralded heralded as this more elite quarterback than Stafford in a lot of circles. And I and I have a I have a big problem with that. So maybe that's where a lot of the opinion comes from. And that's understandable. So I, I would take Matthew Stafford over Tony Romo as but, far as pure as just a quarterback. Yeah, I mean like that wasn't the question. I, I always I always I just see Tony Romo as a choke artist. They can both be great. It does not have to be one or the other. It no, they can, but like I just I have never been impressed. I would never put Romo in a conversation with like the quarterbacks that I think were the best in the league. I just he just never impressed me. Um I because I felt like he when it came time for that crunch time moment, I just I never trusted him to get the job done. Like I didn't think he had that like clutch attribute. He's not that much worse than Stat. Well, in terms Say of like what? wins and game winning so he drives, he's not that much worse than Stafford. In, um, I, that's what I'm saying. Like he in had the, good stats. In the two just like Stafford has good like stats, but I trust Stafford more in the clutch than I would ever trust. Well, I would Romo trust in the Stafford clutch. more in the clutch than almost anybody. But that's not fair to. But Romo. that's what. But like. But it is in a way Mahomes, because you baby. want to be able to trust Double your quarterback you to get the job playoffs. done, and he just never got the job done. Wait, so AJ, let me let me let me make uh, let me ask a question. Would you rather Tony Romo or Eli Manning? In in that scenario, like if you're asking me that question, like I. It's not that I hate Tony Romo. I just don't in in that like, you know, gun to my head, who am I choosing in that situation? I'm choosing Tony Romo because I think that he I I don't think Eli is good. I think Eli has been lucky. Um so in that scenario, yeah, I'm I'm choosing Romo every time. But if you rattle it off probably 10 other quarterbacks that were similar, there's a good chance that I'm maybe picking Romo at most half of the time. Players who uh, whose career was of similar quality and shape, according to Pro Football Reference, is Tony Romo. 
Matthew Stafford, Mark Brunel, Roger Staubach, Joe Namath, Steve McNair, Joe Theismann, Alex Smith, Michael Vick, Jim Kelly, and Jim Everett. They're comparing Tony Romo and Broadway Joe? Joe Namath, the most overrated quarterback in the history of I I also agree with that. I think that Namath is a very overrated quarterback. Namath is in the Hall of Fame for one reason and one reason only. The The NFL gifted him a Super Bowl win. Yeah. And if you talk to any of the Colts... On that team that lost to the Jets, they will tell you the same thing. They felt that I, game I bet was they would. rigged. The NFL <laughs> needed it for the AFL-NFL merger to happen. They needed the AFL to win one of these games. And those Colts feel absolutely robbed. I, and I, I know this they do. because I worked with Billy Ray Smith Jr. Because they lost. Who was with the Chargers and played professional football for about a decade. And his father, Billy Ray Smith Sr., was on those Colts. And he, did, and he didn't like losing the Super Bowl? Crazy. I mean, they won it two years later. All right, let's get back on track for the last segment of the night, and it was one that Ryan brought up uh, that I think would be rather interesting, and it would be your favorite non-local team that hasn't won a damn thing. This one's... I'm having a hard time, Ryan, because these other teams that I like at one point or another, for the most part, have won it at least once. I mean, you win a title. Like, are we saying, like, championship in the last, like, ten years? I mean, if you like the team of a year... And they didn't win the title that year. I mean, if you're going to choose like the ninety, the ninety Bulls, that'd be pretty stupid because they won. <laughs> so you could say like the the KD Westbrook Harden Oklahoma right. City Thunder. Gotcha. Well, but but you wouldn't say the 2014 the Warriors, and then they won fucking three in the next four years. Yeah, I gotcha. So I don't know how much this one counts, but you know, when I moved to Boston. You know, I already had hatred for the Celtics. I will always have hatred for the Celtics. F the Celtics. I'm a Piston and a Laker for life. And that's their biggest rival when I grew up. Uh, never had any animosity towards the Patriots or the Red Sox. The Red Sox, to me, were just kind of a... I would kind of chuckle at them the same as the as the uh, Cubs because they were just lovable losers year in and year out. Uh, but I've never had a second hockey team in my life. It's the only sport I don't have a second team in. I've always been just Red Wings, plain and simple. But living in Boston for all those years, very early on, I started taking a real liking to the Bruins. Now, they ended up winning it, I think, a year after I moved there. But even before that, I was becoming a fan of this team. You know, I, I kept saying I would love for Patrice Bergeron to have been a Red Wing. I love the way that man plays hockey. Uh, Zidane Chara, obviously, a lot of fun to watch as well. But there were these other guys, Krejci and Lucic and uh, Brad Marchand and whatnot. And I, became, I did become a somewhat fan of the Boston Bruins. Well... Cuddly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I would never like have a hockey team like that. I guess only players like I liked Ovechkin and was happy when he won. But other than that, in like teams I played on on NHL, but most of those teams had won anyway. Whether it was the Kings, I guess the Wild didn't play, but they were just good to play with after they had a uh, Parise and Suter. My answer. Uh, is a little bit off the beaten path, but when I was in elementary school and all that, I was kind of getting in, introduced more to like March Madness stuff like that. Uh, and you know, it was around the time of like Space Jam, all that. And so North Carolina became like my team. Um, and the the team that I remember was like the team with like Ed Cota, uh, Vince Carter. Um, Brandon Hayward played, I think, with them as well. Mm-hmm. And I just remember them losing to uh, Majerus and the Maryland ter- Terrapins, I think it was. 
uh, with like Steve, I think Stevie Francis was on that team uh, and somebody else. And it was like devastating to me. They lost in the final four. And like, I was so upset. My dad's like, what are you upset about? You just started liking them <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, but that was like my team. Like I forget, I, I used to be able to name like all five of them. Uh, number 13 on that team was like my favorite player. I can't remember who he was. Um, but that was like my guy. Um, so yeah, it's the North Carolina Tar Heels back in like the late nineties. I'm with you, AJ. I became a fan of the Tar Heels actually because of Rasheed Wallace in the year that he, the years that he were there. Um, I actually have an Ed Coda, <laughs> an Ed Coda, uh, North Carolina Jersey. He was the point guard that played <laughs> yeah. with Vince Carter and them, uh, during those years. So we loved we loved them and like so we were like we had our basketball hoop in our driveway like set to like seven and a half feet, and my brother was always Ed Coda. I was always like Vince Carter or the other <laughs> guy. Coda before they were um, shouting Kobe. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Was, uh, um, Carter and Jameson. I'm trying to look here. She. It wasn't the. Let's see. It wasn't the ninety four ninety five team. The thing is, this ninety seven ninety eight team. Yeah, they lost to Utah in the final four. Anton yeah, Jameson. you said Majerus, and you said then you said Maryland, and I was thinking Utah the whole time. It was Utah, so it was Anton Jameson, Vince Carter, this guy, uh, Okulajawa. That was my guy, number mm. thirteen. Yeah, and Utah uh, had Keith Van Horn. Yeah, yeah. So you the, laughed. This... That boy could ball. He may have bounced around the league a bunch, but Keith Van Horn, he, there was a legitimate argument. For some people, over whether he should be taken over Tim Duncan with the number one pick, Shaman Williams, that was another guy on that team. I just was like, love these guys, and then they lost in the final four. It helps with their colors are so damn appealing. Yeah, yeah, that Carolina. I love North Carolina's colors. Beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. The Carolina blue is beautiful, and it just put it with white. It really is. It just makes a great jersey. Yeah, yeah. Shimon Williams was three. Kota was five. Uncle yep, Joe was got a, 13. I got a five Anton Jameson was yep. 33. And Vince Carter wore 15, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they were, that was my team, man. They never won anything. I like the uh, – so my favorite teams are just really attached to my favorite players. Like when I was growing up, I was a big fan of Randy Moss. So I was actually a bigger Vikings fan than I was a Lions fan. Just because I didn't, you know, care really that much. I just like the player. Um, so playing with them specifically in like NFL Street, where they had Cole Pepper, they had Randy Moss, they had um, Michael Bennett at running back, they had Antoine Winfield on the team at the time. Um, some big offensive lineman too. I'm I'm sure he's a Hall of Famer, uh, but I remember him a, a lot. I just don't remember his name right now. But those teams to me were always just so much fun to watch, and I got to go to Ford Field when the Vikings came to town and Randy Moss converted two uh, third and 17 plays, one for a touchdown on a post route. that was like, it was like a 60 yard touchdown. It was an unbelievably hype. And then I kind of followed Moss wherever he went, but those Vikings teams, because I was so little and not yet like a, a super Lions fan. Um, those were the, my favorite football team besides obviously, you know, the, the Lions growing up. And then uh, for the NBA, I was always really bummed out, and same thing where I just attached to a, a player so much. Um, but the Iverson and Mellow Denver Nuggets teams that didn't win, um, you know, really anything of significance at all, it uh, that always bummed me out because AI was my favorite player, 
and um, the Nuggets, besides the Pistons at at that time, were uh, they were just my my favorite team to watch, to play 2K with. I I already you know loved Iverson, and then I loved Melo too, um, and even you know George Carl, who I thought was a a good coach, and then you realize later. He uh he hates every single one of his best players that he that he's ever had, um, but there are even other guys. There's like I, I think actually, Eduardo Nahara was on the team, like Lens Claza, like there are just so many other players, and I think that's the best part. And you guys did it with the with the Carolina team, is you just start naming like all these role and bit players that you know otherwise like if we did a, a a who the hell are you like nobody would know who Lennon's Clayza is but because you know I enjoyed those Nuggets teams so much he's like way way more in you know the front of my memory than he'd be uh, almost anybody else unless you know you obviously shared the the same love of those Nuggets teams Actually, I guess I have kind of a modern one right now. I'm, I, you know, I am a fan of the Pelicans mostly because yeah, the Pelicans starting lineup is mostly made up of my discarded young Laker core. Yeah, today mine would be the the Pelicans, the Cardinals, and the Ravens. I don't know if I call my uh, secondary b- baseball team winners. I mean, they won one, but the Atlanta Braves I fell in love with just because TBS. We had it; they were on all the yeah. time. Yeah, I fell in love with that pitching staff. Yeah, I mean it was you know Greg Maddox is will forever be one of my favorite players of all time. And yeah, that 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 summer was amazing. Like, well, that like kind of stretch of summers from like '95 to like, well, let's say the home run chase, mm-hmm. right? Because like it was like come home from school, watch the Cubs, which it was going to be like the team that I included in this, and then I thought about the Tar Heels, but like watch the Cubs, Harry Carey, Steve Stone, Sammy Sosa, Mark Grace, Steve Traxel, you know all these guys and it was like then at night it was skip carry and the other gentleman i can't remember his name um that had you know chipper jones andrew jones greg maddox tom glavin john smoltz javi lopez ryan klesko all those guys and like that was like the best summer for baseball mm-hmm. but, I mean, stretch I just... of summers Watch them, you know, I was a fan from right before I jumped on the bandwagon right before there was a bandwagon because my first year being a fan of theirs was right before they went on 14 years of winning the division title. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. 14 straight division titles for that squad. It's insane. I know this is off topic, but MLB mock draft 1.0 Spencer Torkelson, first baseman, Arizona State to the Detroit Tigers. Anyway, I, I, I think it's, like, best player available. I Everybody has had Torkelson since the beginning, and that hasn't changed. And he's a fantastic hitting first baseman. I, it's To me, it's a no-brainer. At a All position right. of need, it's necessary. Ryan, go ahead and do Yeah, man. So no, it's also a no-brainer go is following us on Twitter at Sports Carnage, following us on Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast. That is where we post all of our podcasts. And if you want to go straight directly to the source, you can find us on Podbean and iTunes as well as YouTube. And, again, it's just Sports Carnage Podcast, and then you'll find us everywhere. Um, and then find us on Detroit Sports Nation as well. It's, of course, the, the gracious host of these podcasts. For the late-arriving Paul Roshan, AJ Riley, Ryan Griffin, I'm Matt Bass, and we're Sports Carnage. Thanks for spending another couple hours with us. This week, we'll be back with you all next week. Hootie-hoo!